Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Wheel of Time fans? This is Stephen, your host from Phantology, along with my lifelong friend Josh, who is filling in for Jake, our usual Wheel of Time expert, if you followed our Wheel of Time videos at all. And like always, we do have Caden back, our first time reader, currently finishing The Towers of Midnight. So we definitely will not be doing full series spoilers. And in fact, we're going to start with no spoilers at all past the first book. So, uh, and maybe like some speculation on what could happen at the end of the first season. But to be fair, none of us have seen the end of the first season of the show. So we're definitely not going to be able to spoil that for you. Uh, but we're not going to do any major spoilers. We, we might do some towards the end. So we, and we will let you know. We got some feedback last time saying we wanted to split between non-spoiler and spoiler. So that's what's happening. And before I talk too long, you guys ready to do this? <laughs> I'm totally ready. I have to recant something I said last episode. I showed my my uh, my speculation got a little bit overboard, and <laughs> those were in fact novices um, that were dressed in white outside the outside the tower. Um, I I went back and watched the episode again, and you can see them inside the tower. I don't know if they're referred to as novices inside the tower, but they're walking around. The- yeah, that was our episode Correct. five review where. Where Josh went a little far afield into some speculation, but that's fine. I mean, yeah. we're we're here for speculation. So on to episode six, Caden, okay. you uh, you ready for this one? I am. Yeah, I missed I missed the last episode. Episode five wasn't my favorite, but I like six better. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm so let's start with this. Brandon Sanderson has famously said, if you're a big fan of the show, you know this that he has said that episode episode six was his favorite. And I haven't really heard much about episodes seven or eight. I'm hoping for big things since they're the season finales and they're exciting. If you know what happens at the end of the books, we can expect excitement. But Sanderson did say that episode six was his favorite. So do you guys think it lived up to that billing? And like, why do you think he thought it was his favorite? I don't think I, I, Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I, let me preface this by saying, I like the episode just fine. Like, I think it's solidly middle middle tier of episode four. Um, I think I'm probably in the majority with that. But, I, like, I think I just hyped myself up for this episode that, like, some crazy things were going to happen. And sure. what it did, I think it did really well. But it also, like, didn't do a whole lot, you know? Like, it kind of just moved the whole gang along, you know, to where they needed. I thought that it was, like, the script was pretty tight. You know, I thought that it did a good job in engaging the White Tower politics. I probably care more about the White politi- White Tower politics in the show than I ever did in the books. It might be a hot take, but mm, okay. I don't do you know. feel Do you feel the same, Caden? Because you're reading it right now, so you're the you're the most recent with the White Tower politics. I think it's really hard to pull off politics in a TV show well compared to in the book. I feel like they they. I mean, they did, they did a good job. I don't feel like they really conveyed how big the tower is. At least in the book, there's like hundreds and hundreds of 
Aes Sedai, right? And it feels like it's a really mm -hmm. small knit group in the show, um, which I feel like makes the politics a different feel uh, than in the book. That's fair. And they show, you know, the Hall of the Towers scene with all the sitters. And that's the only time we've seen all of the Aja colors together. And we still haven't really had much of an explanation. Like we, if you haven't read the books, you understand blue and red and green and yellow has been mentioned a few times. So hopefully you've picked up on that, but like brown, white, gray, you have no idea if you're just watching. Well, one, one of the, uh, the x-ray bonus content. But if you haven't, I mean, to be fair, if you haven't read the books, you're if probably you're, not watching those. I make McKenzie watch me. But if you're a casual <laughs> viewer, yes. Which, side note, it's interesting. Have you seen that, like, it's it's always, um, it's like Wheel of Time presented by X-Ray or whatever? Like, I think that this is the show that they're using to, like, to emphasize the X-Ray features of Prime Video. Okay. Um, it's, like, presented by X-Ray. So I think that's why they really got this fun. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, if you don't have a fire stick, it feels like they're kind of buried. They did make a change to put them on the main menu now. So hopefully more people are seeing them, but it took me a while to find them. I knew it was happening, but I couldn't find it until someone told me on discord. Well, they're on your phone. It's easier on your phone to watch them. Well, I know, I know. Right. But yeah, yeah it still was a little charging anyway. Yeah. The tower maybe, yeah, maybe it does feel a little smaller. Like they have the cool shot, the overhead shot where you can see like, how cool the hall is and how big it is or really how tall it is. I'm a little confused by the height. Like what are they doing up there as you go higher up? But uh, yeah, you don't see a whole lot of random Aes Sedai walking around. It's the ones you see are the ones that we've seen like several times. So I could, I could see that. And it does have more of like a school feel with a bunch of novice and, and accepted. Maybe there's just in other parts of the tower. We haven't got to that yet. We'll get to that later i can forgive that but for what we've seen so far like yeah I, I, that's fair it, it is a little bit like okay these i said are so powerful but there's like 50 of them max that said this is the first episode where it's been introduced and i've had 13 books to work up to some politics right so they're you know it's hard to judge all this politics based on a single episode uh, for what i thought it did well for what what they had in a single episode and the politics are really just red, blue, Hammerlin. Yeah. Yeah. That's the extent. Yeah. But it does ground you in, in like the, it, it feels like more of a personal conflict, Andrew. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's why I say I care more about it. I'm not saying it's like more complex or interesting maybe, but I managed to more about it. Can all... Yeah. The whole, the whole episode was, the whole episode was just Moraine's perspective the entire time, which I thought, so that's the thing that I have come to appreciate after thinking about it. Because at first I was like, yeah, hey, you know, that's a decent episode. Maybe not the Sanderson hype level. I think it's my second favorite. And I think the reason I do end up liking it a lot was because, you know, you have to accept one, that Moraine is the main character of at least season one. And now that you accept that, then this episode is like, okay, we're finally getting the curtain pulled back on our mysterious wizard character. And you see how vulnerable she is in a lot of different situations. And I think that's important for the audience to see that Moraine is not this all-powerful all person. And really, just like our Emmonsfield Five, she doesn't know what she's doing, for better or worse. I think you could have some criticisms of this, like, okay, they're off to the eye of the world on, like, 
pretty cursory information based off some dreams. And now like the whole party's going there sans Matt. We'll talk about that in a second, but uh, I, I do like that. It shows that there's a lot of vulnerability. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of information that is, you know, struggling to be communicated back and forth, which is a big theme of the wheel of time, I think. So those are the reasons I liked it. Yeah. I did like how else also shows like she's very clearly in charge she doesn't tell the two parties that they're in the city even though she already knew yeah right? she she, she does the i said i lie to them i love that totally totally and so yeah i appreciated that moment and you, you do see her playing you know she has an end goal and you see that through this episode which i i like as before you know yeah so my my buddy who hasn't read any of the books but he's pretty into fantasy not my he's my brother-in-law but okay. he said um quote also, I think Maureen prematurely dragging these kids to the eye of the world is going to be okay. So he, you know, he also picked up on the fact that like, yeah, this is pretty premature. She probably shouldn't be doing this, but he's intrigued in, you know, what it's like. It sounds like he thinks that they're going to reveal who the dragon is. It seems like he's really tracking, you know, the stakes and what's going on. But that, that's encouraging. Okay, that's good. So the eye of the world is, the, is where the Dark One's prison is now apparently a change well maybe or that's their understanding of it i think yeah. i've never really understood what the world is i've read the book i've read the first one sure do you it's do you remember kaden i know i was trying to remember too i i think it's wait wait let it's, me try it's yeah, like yeah go a, ahead it's like a pool of cleansed sidine or something right yes and that's pretty much like all you know that's where they Rand was they had to go there in order to try and defeat Shamael is what they thought they were doing yeah and I mean, honestly I may mess up some details but in the book similar to the show they had some like dreams and some I think from the was it the Ogier or something about the wolves or maybe the tinkers some of these groups were like saying something about sight blinder at the eye of the world I remember that quote and so they knew they had to go there and obviously the green man was there the green man a character that had so much potential but just just died um and yeah like you said Josh it's a pool of untainted sidine that they are able to channel from and I think it was so this is where I may get this wrong but I think it was set up like for this purpose to like help the new dragon be able to do something to like get started that might be wrong and maybe we shouldn't like speculate on something that there is a definite answer for <laughs> but uh, let us know in the comments what exactly it is or we will look it up and apologize for not being prepared on that one but but like that's kind of the point right is that this is kind of an interesting thing for them to start the first season or end the first season on because it was pretty nebulous in the books as well, right? Yeah. So it does just kind of go there. Yeah. So it seems like they have maybe a better reason for going there in the in the show, like mm -hmm. even if it is an incorrect reason. In, you know, yeah, I, I like that reason. Yeah. It seems really compelling. The whole time they're trying to stop the dark one, find out who the dragon is. Now this is the way they're going to do it. It ups the like risk because in the book it wasn't like hey if you're not the dragon you know you're still along for ride it's going to be risky but not that crazy it made it feel like if you're not the dragon you're probably going to die right it, like the danger is a lot more 
real, I feel like, yeah. in the show from them going on the trip, which is why, well, maybe why Matt decides to to not go, right? But that that kind of risk seems a lot more real from the episode than in the book. Because don't they, does Egwene or Nynaeve ask, like, well, what about the rest of us when we aren't yeah. the dragon? What's going to happen? And they're just like, okay. Uh, no Rain doesn't answer, really. Good luck. I <laughs> wish you the best. <laughs> So, okay, this is ending of first book spoilers. So if you don't want ending of first book spoilers, stop listening. I mean, we already kind of talked a little bit about that. Oh, you said that they went to the eye of the world and the name of the book is Eye of the World. And then they just said in the show that they're going to the world. So I feel like- Yeah, we talked about the Sidene and the Green Man. Okay, go ahead, Josh. But this is going to be a bigger spoiler. So they did end up seeing two Forsaken there and they all probably should have died had it not been for like the green men some pretty so i mean like, he kills one of them the green man kills one of them right yeah and then and then does maureen kill the other one no rand 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 is yeah, yeah sorry okay anyway but my point is is that they could have very easily died in the books as well when they all went there so i don't think yeah. it's that much of a stretch to say like oh yeah you're probably gonna die if you go you know no yeah i think it's fine yeah. and it, it casually too forsaken there I think it's great that the show's done it that way, though. It gets viewers more interested, I feel like, or more involved in the character. So one criticism that everyone's going to have always whenever an adaptation is made is, it's not like the books. I love the books. This thing is different than the books. And we've heard that a lot. And we're actually planning on doing a response video to some of that stuff in a little bit. But one thing that I would, I think there's improvements to be made from the book because the first book is good, but you know, certainly not perfect. And I think one thing that it struggles with is the end is like fairly abrupt. And we've been kind of talking about this on, on discord, but they just like go to the eye of the world. Then all of a sudden these forsaken pop up and a bunch of stuff happens and it's done. So I think they can improve on that. And hopefully they are trying to do that by like laying the groundwork a little more, but I am still curious because we've seen scenes from the promos, from the trailers. We know they're, they're going to go to Faldara and have a decent amount of time there. So if they're still going to like go to the eye abruptly. And I wonder if Forsaken are going to pop up and people are going to be like, what is a Forsaken? Because we heard it once with Stepin in episode five and view- new viewers uh, that haven't read before may be very confused. I, I like trust that they are going to uh, kind of work around that. But so, so are we thinking that like episode seven is going to be the waves and Valdara, and then episode eight. It's got to be uh, right. The, the blight and like that's, I think that's so. Rushing yeah. it pretty fast. I think episode seven maybe ends. Obviously, the Tarwin's Gap thing. Like maybe Trellox are like pouring through the gap or something, and then they go to the Eye of the World. There's gonna be more stuff with the Eye of the World than Valdara. They're gonna maybe help explain more. Maybe they bring the Forsaken in more, so it's like a, a, a more extended conflict that makes more sense in episode eight. Yeah, it, this is pretty. They have a lot to cover in two episodes. Yeah. Also, there there was talk that this was going to cover parts of book, like a lot of book two and right. Three. Yeah, yeah, that's what we thought going in. Big and now we're like, like this pretty much only covers book one. The, the white, the white tower stuff. Yeah, they make it to the white tower, of course, but not a lot happens to the white tower. Yeah, well, and the dagger healing and like meeting different. There are things from the there, other books. Yes, there are here. things that, yeah, you're right. But not a lot that is like going to facilitate them wrapping up all 15 books in eight seasons. You know Correct. what I mean? Yeah. 
It's because they're gonna cut. They're gonna cut stuff in the middle. They're cutting. Time. They're cutting the bowl of wins. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I'll make them. <laughs> and we thought we, we had talked about the possibility, like before Rafe, before we heard that comment from Rafe, we were thinking, oh, yeah, season one's gonna be the first two books, and it'd be like the end of the book two would be a great season finale. And now looking back, like that was very wrong. Yeah, that's kind of what I was pointing out. Yeah, like. In book one, Matt was like only kind of healed from the dagger and he's all the way healed. Maybe we, he might be, you know, he might not, he, he might be going to get the dagger that my episode. Yeah. Him. So it's like, how much did we really get? Like that was out. So not a lot. Also, I thought Min was going to be in season one. Wasn't she is she cast. So are they going to meet her at Valdara? They are changing her. Yes. You didn't know that? Uh, I assumed that they would meet her at Tarbalan. Oh, she. Oh, wait, that's right. She's gonna be a soldier at Faldara. Is that right? Yes. Okay. They're changing I did her. Hear that. Yeah, we don't. We don't know how much, but they are changing her. She'll be in the next episode. Because they went to Tarvalon instead of Camelin, right? They we have no Elaine and Elida. Yeah. And yeah. No Tracons at all. Yeah. They're cast for season two. Rafe also said Avienda was cast, so I think we can expect her in season two. All right. So Matt in. Matt, in, in episode six, Caden, do you think we will see Matt in episode seven or eight? Um, no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, neither it do may. we. Yeah, yeah. We t- and this is, this is really, you know, this is just an unfortunate situation having to be recast and everything. And we don't want to speculate too much on what's going on with Barney Harris. But they episode six, we know, was the last one they filmed before the COVID break. It makes sense if they're replacing him that something happened during the break and he was probably not able to come back. And we are speculating here, but, you know, not into his personal life. So I think this is okay. But we're speculating that, you know, based off of just some logic here, they probably reshot the last sequence and left him behind and therefore don't have any material of what he's going to be doing left behind. So it seems like they're going to have to rewrite some stuff from what they were planning then into season two. And then all of, you know, episodes seven and eight were probably shot without Barney at all. So Matt's probably gone for this season and it's just an unfortunate situation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much there is to say about that. Like, it seems like they're at least trying to do the best with what they have. Yeah. You know, Barney Harris, all the best. This is a great Matt. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of just the reality of TV to some extent, like TV shows always have the issue of there's a lot of unknowns. It's not like a movie where you get this big budget and you say, okay, do this project, whatever you want for two and a half to three hours for long movies or two hours regularly. Um, But TV shows are like, you have a season, maybe two seasons, and then you've got to be renewed. And the, the showrunners are trying to make it good, but they don't know how long it's going to go. So there's when there's no definite end date in sight, it's tough to do. A lot of shows have had trouble like this, just kind of due to TV circumstances. And one is the availability of actors and it happens. Yeah. Um, hopefully they pull it off and hopefully they'll be able, it seems like they're at least trying to address it within the story. Like they didn't just try and do bad CGI or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. It changes face. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, anyway. We- At least they didn't just kill him off or something. Yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> he just he just goes into the ways and then just like 
falls off. <laughs> yeah, it just falls off the edge. Wanders like, off in the night and he's gone. At least there's some like impetus for why he stayed behind. We could speculate that he stayed behind to try to get back to the dagger. And we yeah. saw Fane there and Tarvalon. So we can guess something's going to happen. I think they have threads there of things they can do. Leandrin asked about him specifically. So that's good. I wonder if they added any of that stuff, like working into a season two, or if that was just by happenstance happened to be available to them. Hoping for, you know, good, big things from Matt, but you know, we've seen lots of changes already. So I think it's okay, but unfortunate. Yeah. I'm kind of, I feel like Sanderson is kind of spilling the tea on some of this stuff. Uh, Have you guys seen his Reddit posts? Uh, no, not recently. I, I saw his interview or his podcast that he podcast. did. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's also done, he's posted a few times on Reddit um, about, I think I've seen, uh, not reviews, but he kind of gave some background on episode one, two, and three. But he also went and put in individual, like individual posts for book one, book two, and book three. He did one where he talked about- Book like, or episode? Episode one. Episode okay. Three. And he- uh, he put in there like the feedback that he gave Rafe. Um, and uh, anyway, they're, they're good reads and the feedback he gave, mm. I think uh, works well. Most of it was he's worried about how dark the show is in tone, which I don't think the show is that dark in tone. Like, I think it's. I did. I, well, okay. I saw one comment where apparently it was supposed to be darker, but Sanderson yeah. was able to provide some. So if you, yeah. if you're thinking it's too dark or if you're thinking that, it's not as dark as you were expecting. Perhaps like you have Sanderson to think for that, I guess. It seems like it. So part of it, like the tinkers, um, he, he asked them to make them a little bit more lighter and yeah, just go read the post. I don't want to try and put mm-hmm. words in Sanderson's mouth, but it does look like, again, he is kind of giving some background on the scripts he read versus what's coming to this. And so I'm kind of interested to tell us what happened with with this if this was part of the plans they're recasting and i'm sure sanderson, this is gonna it's gonna come out right it'll come out and sanderson's very respectful um when he talks about this his opinion is yeah um so i i um and i might just add this is in preparation for like a lot of these response video that steven mentioned earlier Steve, uh, sanderson came out and said in that podcast that he is not under an nda and he is allowed to talk negative that was one in, mm-hmm. on, it's insultant or tag or whatever right if he thinks it sucks he's gonna tell us it sucks yeah so so for all the people that says like oh sanderson is only saying it's good because Mm -hmm. he's under an nda or he wants the money i can't obviously disprove the money or that he might be lying about the nda but he's also putting a lot of his reputation on the line for like yeah at this point sanderson has said a lot of times that he's good with money and he has the the privilege of being able to kind of say what he wants and and that's something that he really values like that freedom of expression yeah so you know i think that if you're saying that then you might need to re-examine the fact that maybe somebody likes something different than you and that's okay josh is getting prepped i'll I'll rant about this yeah Uh, look forward (laughs) to a video uh later this week where i will rant about this anyway rant coherently and hopefully Mm. somewhat respectably yes hope okay okay so other things from this episode probably the the biggest thing that the people that josh is alluding to are upset about is the more uh forward public you know we're actually seeing the moraine swan relationship on screen 
this is something that you is just like hinted at in the books. It for sure happens. Mm-hmm. Rob Jordan says it for sure happens. This, but it's, this is it's the, not it's not really like in the book, certainly not in the first incorrect. book. In, incorrect, Stephen. Well, okay, it's in there's like one part in New Spring where they can Yes, it is the same level of relationship that is pretty much shown in New sure, Spring for, on page. But and I mean in the first black, book, in the first book, like a lot of people fine. haven't read New Spring. Fine. In New Spring, which is a book written by Robert Jordan, they kiss and it fades to black. In this adaption, they kiss and it fades to black. It's the same level of of implication slash the uh-huh. same things happen. So I'm I'm not saying that they're not going to do more in the show, but the fact that this is in perfectly in line with what happens on page in canon in the wheel of time. It's not in so much that if there's an agenda, it's the same agenda Robert Jordan was pushing. So there you go. That I will rant more about this too. But I should not have strong feelings about this subject. <laughs> One thing. <laughs> So in regards to the agenda thing, one thing that Rafe has said is that he felt that Robert Jordan was very progressive for his time when he was writing books in the 90s and early 2000s. And in hopes of capturing that progressive spirit, Rafe is directing this, trying to also move the agenda in the same way that he thinks Robert Jordan would have in today's time. Like that is a quote from him. I probably didn't say it exactly correctly, but you know, if you're saying, oh, Rafe has an agenda, maybe he does, but he's trying to, like what he said is he's trying to capture the same agenda that he thinks Robert Jordan would have had. Harriet is a executive, what a creative director on the show. Like she's involved. She knew Robert Jordan the best. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Let's not dwell too much on the agenda thing because we can talk about that in our other video. But uh, it's certainly going to come up in this one because of this relationship, right? Because, yes. And I will say, because I know people attack me for this. Yes, it. they were. I don't, I believe when they kissed in New Spring, they weren't full on. I said, I could yeah. be wrong about that. And so I know that maybe I said, I most unquote pillow friend stuff usually goes away. But you know what? Like, this is a, I guess, somewhat of a change. They've showed a lot of scenes that aren't explicitly in the book. So with the change of, okay, we're in the tower now, that's a change. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to think that based off of the situations and circumstances, this would have happened in the, in the show canon. The show is changing some things. They're changing the order of events. And so like, here they are back at the tower under these circumstances. Like it, it makes sense that this would happen. So, um, Moving away from that, can we get into some speculation of was this uh Tarangriel? Was it a passage? The painting. Into, the right. painting. Was it a passage into I'm just gonna say World of Dreams because that was the name of it. Teleronyad. Yeah, t- I can never say that. Tell T A R. I, I know. I, I'm I'm not gonna try. Um, uh-huh. but was were they there? Like this is kind of interesting to speculate. My mind went to like, oh, they have traveling now. And if they can travel from Tarvalon to Tyr, that's possibly going to mess up some later events down the road for, you know. Anyway, what, what do you think, yeah. Stephen or Caden? Let's go to Caden. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't think it was. I just thought it was like, yeah, a portal into Swan's Room or wherever it was or some other place. I didn't think but, it was the World of Dreams. But the place they were at was like a fisherman's shack type. It looked very similar to her childhood okay. home. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't a place in the White Tower, clearly. 
Yeah. It wasn't her room. And in her room, when Egwene and Nynaeve go there later, they so you see, go there, right? They see the painting that she has. I, I think it's I think it's uh the world dreams. That's that's why I think. Did you see on our Discord though um, the dream chart thing? No, one of uh one of our members of Discord posted a shot from the Amazon X-ray that you were just hyping up, Josh, where it said that they met in a fishing village in Tyr. So it was not Teleron Riyadh, according to Amazon X-ray. That see, that's that's gonna mess up some things. And it's like, just traveling. But but maybe it's just traveling to like this one specific location. But if they I, can, I don't think that messes up too much. If they can get Aes Sedai from Tarvalon to just outside of Tyr. I mean, we're not doing spoilers, but like that has implications, right? Yeah. 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 Major implications. But are they going to use that? Like, is Swan going to say like, hey, I have this thing? If they <laughs> didn't, then I would question. I think it would be a pretty major, like questionable decision not to use that. Yeah. But the Aes Sedai all have their secrets and they, they're playing every Aes Sedai is playing the long game because they live so long. So if they've got a secret or an advantage or something that they're going to use, it's just like Survivor. Guys, I know you you guys are both Survivor fans. You don't want to use that hidden immunity but, idol but until the last moment. But that is a big moment. You know, the moment that I'm referring to. And if you're not sending... Okay. I, yeah, but we, do you think you're about to be voted out at that moment, Josh? Or could it be that something more serious would happen in the future? I'm a big proponent. This is my Survivor strategy. I would play the idol every single time. I'm playing it, protecting. As myself. soon as you get it, you just play it, and yeah. then you, fi- you find and then I go it. Go find it again. Night. Yeah, it's dumb. I hate it when people go home without their pocket. Uh-huh. I'm like, you idiot! Just play the idol. Uh, R.I.P. Shan. <laughs> this episode's kind of gotten away from us a bit, but Survivor season finale this Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, so I, it sounds like it's a Tarangriol, and it's taking us to Teleron Riyadh. No, no, no. Sorry. It sounds like it's a Tarangrial, but it's some kind of traveling that's taking them to this love shack they haven't here. At the end of the episode, Moraine goes and opens a portal, you know, to the ways as well, yeah. which is like Yeah, I'm a little not, confused on that. Not, I don't know, book canon. Not book canon. Yeah, the ways thing. It's just chilling up there on top of the hill. It looks cool, yeah. but at the same time, it's like... I wonder, I, guess, if the, I wonder if the implication, though, is that you still need, like uh an ogier to be there well the implication is you don't want to go in there because it's sucks and you're gonna die from the black wind that's true i thought it looked more like because yeah i guess spoilers for later books but like the portal stones right or is a separate thing from the ways and that's what i thought we were like looking at until like i don't know if those are gonna be the same thing i think our assumption is they're combining those two things together that would be confusing you got the ways you have portal stones you have yeah you have know, dr- dreaming and yeah, yeah all kinds of things yeah that's confusing i'm excited to see what the ways look like i hope they are sufficiently terrifying i hope it's a sufficiently terrifying place it looked pretty uh scary so far from the so far from the, the brief one, glance we got the one scene yeah i think the funniest tweet i saw from this episode was well matt has eight horses now so he's back in the <laughs> horse trading business <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean that's pretty much the episode. I it can. I'm trying to remember what else. If there's any, we could go minute by one. Okay, here's one thing: the oathrod thing, swearing fealty. Mm. 
to the Amerlin. That's that's interesting. So, so she didn't swear fealty didn't to say the Amerlin. Yeah, she swore she she changed it and swore fealty uh-huh. to Swan. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's good because yeah, which yeah, is okay. a big deal. Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Good point. Good point. I did not think of that. Okay. So I, I kind of like I did like that. Some people were pointing out um, how it was kind of like wedding vows when, mm. when she was saying it. Um, okay. I thought that was kind of cool. And you know, people will say they didn't have to do the full lesbian relationship between them. I think it was good to see because then in that moment, like with both of them crying, you could see like really how deep and personal this was and what Moraine was sacrificing by doing this. And like, and you saw how personal the whole episode was for her. Like I thought it was really really powerful connection to Moraine. And like, I like her a lot more and I like to see, characters that are vulnerable right like Gandalf is interesting but at the same time he's like Gandalf and he has very few um shortcomings until you see him on top of the tower getting beat up by Saruman and then you're like okay like this guy's kind of interesting he's not super powerful kind of same with Dumbledore like once you get the curtain pulled back on Dumbledore I think he's more interesting so I I like that I like seeing the vulnerabilities and I think this episode really achieved that I also thought it was very true to the books. In the books, Swan has many moments where she's like, I wish I could just not be involved and have a nice, peaceful life, but I have sworn my life to this and I'm going to see it through. So to have that shown in through her character, I really like that they, mm-hmm. you get that vulnerability, but it's true to her, her personality from the book in this case, which I think is so um, main to her character. Also, we got some more in-world swears. I liked with skin, was it skin and salt meat? Or what, what's the swear from uh, got a from tear yeah she had like skin me and salt me or something like that i forgot to look for that yeah did you say did you say fish guts ever <laughs> i like how she was calling everyone fish or yeah. everyone moraine or whatever i i i did really like the scene and i've heard mixed reactions to this scene but i like the scene when it was naive Egwene and swan and like how when they were all in the office mm-hmm. and i thought it really showed the dynamics really well of um you know when she was like you i've heard that you're the most powerful channeler we've seen yeah that, that was years. and Egwene has like the smirk on her face and then she's uh-huh. like naive and Egwene's like huh you know like yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes I, i'm like how much did they, have they really developed these characters and then you have character moments like that where it's like yeah they have actually put in the work of making these uh-huh. characters feel very relatable where you know Egwene is like arrogant enough to th- be like oh yeah like i'm yeah. being recognized and then like oh uh, what <laughs> and, and how come on that is perfectly in keeping i think with the book characters right like that that is a scene that could have happened in the book and the fact that they've kept the essence of these characters mostly intact like yes they've changed yeah. some things but like literally all these things yeah. are things that would happen in the book and the fact that they've nailed that so much makes this, in my opinion, so far, a really good adaption. Agree. They have, Yeah, they do have some small, fun moments. Like, there was a very similar moment when Land comes in, or Rand, what is it? Is it Rand who says, like, oh, good to see you guys again? And he doesn't mention Land, and Land says, oh, what about me? Or thanks for noticing. Yeah. Anyway, it was, like, a small thing. But, you know, it's nice to see Land kind of showing he's not always stoic. He can be Which, fun as well. Apparently, Stephen, that is... That is deconstruction, deconstructing masculinity 
and and also serving this woke agenda, having having Lamb be mm. like a modicum more vulnerable. Makes sense. Just, so just, just wanted to let you know. If you want to hear the rest of that rant that Josh is starting, tune into our channel uh, later this week where we are going to war with r slash white cloaks. <laughs> we'll say uh, no one else has really done this yet. No other content creators, but uh, yeah, what the heck? If we're small enough. We're going to throw ourselves out there and see what happens. We can uh, we can take it right. So bring it on. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay, Caden, thank you for once again giving us your new reader perspective, although we can't call you a new reader for much longer because you're almost done with Towers of Midnight. Is that right? Yep. Last fourth of the book. So almost there. One more to go. The ending of that one's awesome. And then obviously, obviously the last book is... I'm I'm so excited on your behalf, Caden. (laughs) I'm really pumped. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. Episode six in the books. Episode seven next week. And then we're done with the season. It's kind of sad to see it coming to a close so quickly after waiting so long. But uh, that is the nature of media, right? Thanks, dude. Yeah, sorry to end on a low note. Okay, thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, Steven. Thanks, Steven. See you guys.